Good morning. The reading this morning uh, is from Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 20. Thanks for the gifts. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all these through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gift. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have, I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, but we are in To Live as Christ. It is Paul's purpose. It is also our series title. And it's Paul saying simply that, that if I get to live in this world, in this life, for any, uh, for, 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 um, longer than this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to live my life for Jesus. That is going to be my purpose. And in this part of Paul's letter, he writes about a quality of heart that may be challenging for us to maintain, especially in our Western culture. And this week, there were two songs that came to my, my, my mind as it relates to this theme. The first was a song from King David, and maybe you can Finish this thought or finish this song. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so many of us, maybe you've memorized it in King James, and that's what the King James Version or English Standard Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or if you're reading it in the NIV, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. New living, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Holman, there is nothing I lack. And the message says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. And David's song is echoed in one of his son Solomon's Proverbs. In Proverbs 19.23, he says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. A line from another proverb of Solomon shows up in our Lord's Prayer where, he, where Solomon says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. 
And this quality of heart is brought up in Hebrews when the writer says in Hebrews 13 verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. Jesus once said in Luke 12, 15, he says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Solomon once again says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And it was that proverb that reminded me of a second song when it comes to this whole idea of contentment. The second song is this, and I wonder who can finish this lyric. Welcome to the... Oh, my word, no. (laughs) But that would be... (laughs) Okay, I'll finish it for you. Welcome to the grand illusion. Anybody heard of that song before? Anybody? Hands? A few? Okay, wow. Okay. But... But the, but the lyric is, it continues, it says, so welcome to the grand illusion. Come on in and see what's happening. Pay the price. Get your tickets for the show. Dum, 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 dum. Anyway, um, but the stage is set. The band starts playing. Suddenly your heart is pounding, wishing secretly that you were a star. But don't be fooled by the radio, the TV, or the magazines. They show you photographs of what your life should be, but they're just someone else's fantasy. So if you think your life is complete confusion because you never win the game, just remember that it's a grand illusion because deep inside, we're all the same. Another line from this song from 1977, I was eight years old when Dennis and Styx wrote this song, says this, so if your life is complete confusion because your neighbors got it made. Just remember that it's a grand illusion and deep inside, we're all the same. Paul would one, at one point tell his protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world And we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Our text for today is in the context of Paul essentially writing a thank you letter to this group of Christians in Philippi. Because when these Christians in Philippi heard of Paul's situation where he is in prison in Rome, they collected money, they collected goods, they did whatever they could because they were then going to send all of that by way of Epaphroditus. They were going to send one of their own people to Paul in prison, and would then bring all of this to Paul and to help him out. And Paul says, you know, in this thank you letter, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. Can you repeat that after me? I have learned to be content. 
Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul learned it. This week as I was writing this message, I have this auto-suggestion, you know, I think all of us have it, whether it's on our phones or iPads or computers, but you have an auto-suggest that sometimes pops up. as. And so as I was writing, how did Paul learn? What it auto-suggested was, how did Paul learn calculus? I'm like, calculus? No, that's not where I'm going this morning. But it did make me think that whenever we learn a subject, whether it's calculus, biology, Spanish, how do we learn what we're supposed to learn? I mean, we, we learn through studying. We learn by reading. We learn by memorization. We learn by listening to someone lecture on that topic. We, we learn by taking notes on that person lecturing on the subject. We learn by quizzes and tests. How are we to learn contentment? Are we to learn contentment in the same way? If, if contentment was a subject to learn in a class, Paul says he learned it. He says, I, I learned to be content. This feeling of quiet happiness and satisfaction a long-lasting feeling accompanied by peacefulness, gratitude, satisfaction. Contentment is the state of being peaceful and satisfied in whatever situation you are in, in whatever you have achieved in life. It's like peaceful ease of mind or the rest of mind you have towards yourself or whatever you have achieved. Someone who is sensing contentment will not be filled with greed or envy. Rather, they enjoy what they have in life. They enjoy what they've achieved through their work or through their labor. It's being satisfied with what you have or maybe what you don't have. It means you're pleased with whatever is going on in your life. There was an article I was reading this week that, that came up with five attributes of contentment. And there's one that I really appreciate, and I'll I'll tell you why when I get to it. But the first attribute of of contentment is satisfaction. It's the the pleasure you derive from whatever you have. This means you're not looking for ways to steal, to rob, or to do any wicked act to add to the number of shoes that you have. This doesn't mean that you have relented to work hard or to aim higher. It just means that you have peace of mind for whatever you've achieved. The second attribute is a lack of envy. Aristotle defined envy as a pain at the sight of another's good fortune. Pain at the sight of another's good fortune. Stirred by those who have what we ought to have. A contented person will be void of envy. For example, he'll not be discontented or resentful by someone else's possessions, qualities, or achievements. The third attribute of contentment is humility. And to be humble is not the same as having low self-esteem or an inferiority complex. It just means that you don't overestimate yourself or your importance. It's the quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance. This fourth attribute is one that I, I really resonate with, and it's, it's discipline. 
because I do know of some people that are very content with where they're at, what they've achieved, but they have zero discipline, zero work ethic, zero drive. To be content doesn't mean that you don't have drive to better yourself, to better your family, to maybe do better at work, but it just simply means that you're finding some satisfaction. In fact, Solomon even wrote about that in his, in his Proverbs and even in Ecclesiastes, that, that you would find satisfaction in whatever you're doing at work. This writer says, it's the quality of being able to behave and work in a, in a controlled way, which involves obeying particular rules or standards. A disciplined person will know how to manage their resources so it will guide him against greed or corruption. And when you are disciplined, you will be contented. The fifth attribute is that you, uh, you'll be disgusted with greed and corruption. The author says, greed is an uncontrolled longing for the increase in the acquisition or use of material gain or social value, such as status or power, while corruption is a form of dishonesty or a criminal offense that is undertaken by a person or an organization which is entrusted with a position of authority in order to acquire illicit benefits or abuse power for one's personal gain. How did Paul learn contentment? Well, Paul knew it from personal experience. He says, as he's writing the Philippians, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. See, God's plan for helping Paul learn this subject was to take him through times of fullness and emptiness. We can learn about ourselves, we can learn about life, we can learn about God through times of, you know, those, those times when maybe we failed or, or maybe when life has failed us in some way. We, we, we really do learn from our own failures, but I think sometimes we fail to realize that we can learn from our own successes. I remember watching an interview with Matt Damon, and he's played many significant roles over the years. He may be my favorite actor, um, but he's, he's obviously played in the, the Bourne series of movies, Jason Bourne. He's been in Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's 12, Ocean's 13, um, and one of my favorites of his is Ford versus Ferrari. Loved that movie. Watched that a couple times. Saving Private Ryan when he was younger, and then Goodwill hunting. During the early 90s, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, uh, they, were, they were close friends together, and they together wrote Goodwill Hunting, a movie back in 1997. And it's a screenplay about a young mathematics genius, an extension of a screenplay that he wrote for an assignment while he was a student at Harvard. And he asked Ben Affleck to perform the scenes with him in front of the class. And when Damon later moved into Affleck's Los Angeles apartment, they began working on the script more seriously. The film, which they wrote mainly during improv sessions, was set partly in their hometown of Cambridge and drew from their own experiences. And at the age of 26, the movie received nine Academy Award nominations, including Best Actor for Damon, and he and Affleck won the Oscar and Golden Globe Award for Best Screenplay. 
And speaking of his overnight success through goodwill hunting, Damon said that by the time that he had been work, by that time he had already been working in cinema for 11 years. He had um, he had started at the age of 16, but he still found the change. He says nearly indescribable, going from total obscurity to walking down a street in New York and having everybody turn and look. And in an interview with Graham Norton, um, one of my one of my YouTube addictions is to watch interviews with Graham Norton. Really, really funny um, English uh, talk show where he has, he doesn't just bring people out one by one. He actually has them on a couch four to five at a time and has conversations with the entirety of all these stars. But there was this one point where he was interviewing Matt Damon along with some other actors and he, was, he asked him pointedly about the success that he received right after Goodwill Hunting. And I, I put the interview on my Facebook page, but because Matt dropped the, dropped the F-bomb um, uh, in that, I, I decided I wouldn't use that in, in worship this morning, so you can go to my Facebook page and, and hear it in its entirety. But I love what Matt came to realize on that night that he won that award. He was in his living room, and he was just looking at this award, and he said that I was alone with it, and I said to myself, thank God I didn't screw somebody over for this. And I suddenly had this, this thing wash over me where I, where I thought, and I, and I imagined chasing this and, and not getting it, and then maybe finally getting it in your 80s or 90s with all of life behind you and realizing what an unbelievable waste of time that would have been. He says, you know, because, you know, that it, it, it can't be good enough. He says, you know, he's staring at this award and he's like, this isn't good enough. And he says that if that's what is going to fill the hole in your heart, it will never be good enough. And he said that he counted it as a blessing to be able to come to that realization as a 26-year-old actor so that he wouldn't continue to chase after that, that that wouldn't be the center of his happiness. Paul, blessed with that same awareness, said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. That word secret literally means shutting the eyes and the mouth to experience mystery. It's, it's, it's almost quieting yourself and allowing God to show you what is actually meant by contentment. And he says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's the secret, Paul? The secret is finding my strength and my very existence in Jesus. You know, I like to talk about certain Bible verses as being often quoted, you know, the most often quoted commands in Scripture and that kind of thing. This one might rise to the occasion of the most often misquoted Scriptures in all the Bible. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. You see, people love to read into this verse and kind of take it out of context, you know, a football player scores a touchdown. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Somebody gets a promotion at work. I can do all, all things through him who gives me strength. Maybe a friend decides to start a small business and follow their dreams. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And 
Surely this is, you know, it, it served to be kind of this blanket blessing, this blanket statement on anything that we might set out to do. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, we all know and we've all been in situations where, you know, I, I, I don't know if I could go on, but I do know that with Christ, I can be strengthened. I can do this. I can go on. Jesus does, in fact, strengthen us. But when Paul was writing these words, his outlook wasn't so bright. He didn't just land a promotion. He didn't decide to follow his dreams and start a tent-making business that he always wanted to. He's in prison. And that's not even half of it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul outlines everything that he went through. He, he, he remembered all the beatings, the trials, the dangers that he suffered at the hands of those who opposed him and opposed him spreading the message of Jesus. So in Philippians 4, Paul has in mind not just all the good in life, but also life's absolute worst. What's the key to Paul's suffering and abounding? It's gaining strength from the one who strengthens him to be content. There was a 17th century English Puritan pastor by the name of Jeremiah Burroughs, and he defined contentment this way. Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of mind which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. So why can Paul be content with what he's going through, both the good and the bad circumstances? Because he knew where his strength came from. He knew where life came from. Paul lived and he suffered, and he experienced blessings from God for his purposes, and Christ was his strength every single day, no matter what, whether he was going through pain or he was going through good times. Paul was content because he knew that God, in his wisdom, had purposes for everything that Paul was going through. And Paul submitted himself to God's direction, no matter what he was going through. This verse literally means this. I want you to repeat this after me. For all things, I have strength in the one who strengthens me. For all things, I have strength in the one who strengthens me. So no matter what you're going through right now, you can find in Jesus the strength that you need to get through it. It's not going to mean that you're going to be Tom Brady the GOAT of NFL football, the greatest of all time. What it does mean is that in any situation that you're going through, whether you're going through really good times or really bad times, that you can find in Jesus the strength that you need for those times. Paul's essentially saying, I discovered a secret of being truly content, of being satisfied, of being grateful and gratified and full and fulfilled. It's in having my needs met in the one who strengthens me. It's gaining my strength from the one who strengthens me. And it's something David once wrote in a song. Psalms 131 verses 1 through 3, in fact, that's the entirety of his song. We do know that there are some songs that are very long, like Psalm 119. There are some songs, though, that are really short. And in fact, uh, next year, uh, this, is, this week was as I've been praying about our 
journey into 2023 and the uh, books that we might be going through together as a faith family. I feel like the Lord wants us to go through select songs and call the series Mixtape. Anybody ever recorded mixtapes? I'm really aging myself here, I know. Uh, nowadays, we just create lists on Spotify and Apple Music and, and that kind of thing. Um, but we used to create mixtapes. We used to sit in front of a radio, and if I, you know, if I wanted to hear a song over and over again, I'd hit record. Well, next year, we're going we're gonna to do a series called Mixtape, and it'll be a, a collection of some of David's songs. But this short song essentially sums up what Peter, what Paul was saying um, in, this, in this text. He says this, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Love this. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forever. You'll find contentment when you calm and quiet yourself in order to put your hope in the one who strengthens you. Find some time this week to quiet yourself before the one who wants to strengthen you and he wants to be your strength. That no matter what you are going through, you can experience his, you can experience his contentment and his peace and his satisfaction by being in those quiet and still moments to be still and know that I am God. Father, we even get an opportunity this morning to be able to quiet ourselves and in these moments to not only continue to worship you, but to also reflect on the fact that you gave so much of yourself so that we could be in relationship with you. I pray, Father, that you will help us because if, if maybe we're not experiencing that peacefulness and satisfaction and contentment, maybe if there's some discontent in our life right now, I pray that in these moments you will help us to quiet ourselves, to still ourselves before you, to experience your presence and to gain your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.